You're listening to QPod, featuring wide-ranging conversations on business and technology, focused on a broad range of topics, including digital finance solutions, advanced analytics, and the intelligent enterprise. Welcome to QPod. Um, we're here today to continue, uh, actually to launch our new finance leadership uh, podcast series. And I'm really excited to have David Dickinson and Roger Cressy with me. Um, and we're going to continue our exploration of all things finance, all things business, all things analytics and finance transformation. So excited to have uh, Roger and David join us today. Let me start with you, David. Uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of background and, and uh, introduce yourself and, and your role. Sure, I'd love to. So uh, I, I have been with uh, Diversity now uh, since its uh, separation from Sildare in September of 2017. Uh, and prior to that, I was actually on the Sildare team um, working in, um, in financial reporting. So um, since the separation from Sildare, it's been, you know, we're separating from a, a, being a, a business segment to a standalone business. So a lot of challenges in getting the uh, the accounting team set up and the system set up and the processes set up um, to handle all of that. Um, and as once we got those set up, now we're sort of in the next phase of our journey, which is which is what we call tra- uh, finance transformation, um, which is really globalization and standardization of the key uh, you know accounting and controls, um, and getting our our FP&A teams um, you know up where. Uh, they need to be to uh, to to really help us run a company of this size and complexity. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, David and uh, Roger. Your, yourself, we'll, we'll come back, uh, David, and you can explain a bit more about diversity. But uh, yeah, Roger, if you could uh, introduce yourself, we're we're colleagues at Cubics, but um, please, uh, yeah, share who you are yeah. and what you do. Okay, so uh, I'm born and raised in Africa, an African baby, um, and I began my career. So 30-odd years ago in retail, um, the good old days when you had to go through all the functions before you could actually become a leader. So uh, it was a great way to learn about business process. And uh, I've then moved into the consulting world um, and uh, operating across many industries. But particular to this is that uh, David and I have now worked together through both Sealed Air uh, and so far in Diversity. Um, and I'm helping him with the, with the journey that he's described. Fantastic. Thanks, Roger. So, uh, David, I know Diversity is a pretty exciting business right now. Do you want to just give us a, a little intro to who they are, what they do, etc.? Sure. So the Diversity is a, we are a global company. Uh, we, we operate in uh, over 65 countries across the world. We deal in the, the uh, cleaning and hygiene space. Um, and so we have, uh, you know, we're in various different sectors. One of those is infection prevention. We also uh, serve uh, uh, the, you know the the hospitality industry, so we're also big into restaurants and and uh, and and uh, hotels and 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 resorts. So as you can imagine, um, our business has seen on one side of uh, uh, you know as much as five to thirteen times increase in demand for infection prevention products. Uh, on the other side, as it relates to uh, those those uh, where we serve hospitality. We've seen a drop, you know, as much as uh, 90 plus percent. So very, uh, very interesting times for our business. But we're, we're also one of the companies right now that are really trying to fight this virus with those uh, with those infection prevention products. 
Yeah, I can't imagine what it, what it's been like in the all the operational challenges and uh, just that that variability in your business and how it's changed. I I I, I assume uh, diversity is PE backed and and that your investors, lenders, etc., super interested in what's going on right now. Have you have you kind of seen a change in the frequency of information requests or how they're looking for that type of information? Is it How's it changed operating virtually with with uh, with your investors? Yeah, definitely. We our our, uh, our investors are reaching out to us much more frequently than they than they have historically. <clears throat> um, we we have reporting requirements that we that we meet with them, but uh, uh, they we have several who have who have asked questions or, or are wanting to you know schedule calls with the CFO uh, and the CEO to kind of discuss how the business is going. Um, and it's not just on the investor side. It's you know, as, especially as, as we talked about on the uh, infection prevention side and that supply chain. Um, you know, we have customers who are demanding or asking more for from us than we have typically given to them in a normal course of business, and that also translates into um, us demanding more from our suppliers. And so, uh, when you get into those situations, you have um, your suppliers and, 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 and other creditors more operational focused. Are, are wanting to know more about um, how you're doing in this environment, what the impacts are. Uh, so we are, th- this has become a key part of operations day to day is meeting with suppliers and meeting with investors to give them a better sense as to how we're, how we're coping mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, um, that would be, I'd imagine at first it took a few, um, a few, you know, goes to get it all working and to get that that sinking well. But uh, I'd imagine for you um, and what we're seeing across our other clients right now is cash management is critical at a time like this. What sort of measures have you taken to address the, you know, the, this this topic of cash management? And perhaps you could elaborate a little bit whether or not technology or process change has had uh, had a role uh, in in how you're looking at that at, at this time. Uh, yes, sir. I think there are a few ways. I mean, so, you know, one is um, if we're looking at, um, you know, we, we have customers, obviously, who are challenged at this time. And so we're not getting payments from them as quickly as we have in the past. Uh, so one of the things we do is to try to match, uh, you know, uh, our payments to the vendors with the cash we're getting in from from uh, from our customers. So there's there's a real collaboration that has to take place between your your suppliers uh, so that you can um, you do something that is acceptable, but uh, but still keep your suppliers um, you know, sending you product. Um, and the other is, of course, in in watching the, our spending. And there's a few ways that we do that. Well, one quite easy right now is is travel. So all travel is is, is suspended. Um, across the company, unless it's essential, um, that will save a lot of money. And then um, we are uh, all, you know, capital expenditures that are not essential at this point have been deferred. Um, and then the other thing we're looking at is, you know, we have governments uh, around the world who do have uh, sponsored programs for furloughs. So we look at those where we can and where we need to make those, those types of adjustments where we're taking advantage of that as well. In terms of how systems relate to that, um, we have different systems that we use, um, and some of those are as basic as Excel, and some of those are, you know, get, get into the S-based systems that we use to track our expenses. So um, some of this is really sort of Excel-driven on you, what are our daily cash needs and, uh, and, and, and expenses, and 
we're looking into. Uh, we have, of course, business uh, business warehouses is, is something that we use as well. But it's um, you're looking at those uh, those customers and how they're paying. Looking at what's due with due, due to suppliers and making some very careful decisions about what we pay and when we pay them. And then on the cost side, you know, our uh, our our systems are set up so that we are looking at cost by cost center, and we look at those uh, as it relates to people costs or non-people costs. And so it really helps us to dive into just what's driving the costs, what uh, who are the people who are accountable and responsible for those costs, and it really helps us to to laser in on those areas where we think we can cut. Hmm. Interesting. So, Roger, I know that you've got, uh, Roger, I know you've got a lot of experience in helping our clients with cash management and uh, just the, the kind of either the process or systems design approach to that. Um, you know, what, what would you say is a, a sort of well-designed or best-in-class sort of cash, cash flow modeling solution right now? What, what should it look like? Well, just first, um, we are um, working with David and his team at the moment to implement a proper cash flow which uh, in, into the uh, into the applications into the hyperion applications or oracle hyperion applications at the moment um and hopefully um we'll have something soon on that but the that's really managing actuals from a, a technology point of view in terms of forecasting cash flow uh, i guess my preference is is really always i prefer a direct cash flow especially in times like this where you need to know the actual cash something that sort of distills all of the, the noise like amortizations and depreciations and things out of the mix and gives you what's actually going to be coming in and what's actually going to be going out. And to be able to forecast that based on clear drivers, you know, if you know that a percentage of your um, uh, invoices uh, you know, come in as a result of certain amounts of sales, you can start to model that in the future and things like that. So, um, but yeah, uh, implementing something that is accurate, grabs the actuals uh, from the, the, the source systems and automatically populates things so that people don't have to use spreadsheets. Um, mm. Even at, at diversity, we're on a, uh, our strategy is to eradicate the, the need for you know, hard working people to have to manipulate spreadsheets and rather just be able to uh, view data that's already populated for them. Yeah. Yeah, I thought kind of as as hands free as possible is also um, advantageous. Um, but you know, like all cash flow models, sometimes there's those additional factors that you know a system can't capture, and you've got to you've got to have a, an easy way of implementing that. David, you touched on on uh, cost control, which of course is a big a big issue right now. And you know, I think one of the COVID era um, impacts on business is yeah, no travel. Um, that's great. That is a that's almost an immediate cost saving. Sorry, it is an immediate cost saving. Um, but um, I'm just sort of wondering, in, in normal times, what, what kind of visibility do you try and give your you know, budget owners or the finance team into costs? You know, what, what kind of approach have you taken um, to, to kind of managing and overseeing that from a, from a systems or technology perspective? Uh, yeah, sure. And I think this is also something where we continue to evolve and improve. But I think that, that you know, to, to really manage your costs well, you have to know where the drivers of those costs are. And by that, I mean, who, who are the people that are responsible for those costs and can control those costs? So we, we, we see that done in a cost center um, 
a cost center approach. And within the cost center approach, so for example, um, I would own cost centers related to the finance and accounting function across the globe. Um, I have people uh, who report to me who are accountable for uh, the cost that they incur within the same function of their region. And then within that, again, we break it down into uh, costs that are, are people related versus costs that are non-people related, but it really helps us understand what those drivers are. And then one of the things that we're working on now with, with Roger is being able to look at these reports from more of a, I'd say a financial statement level, um, but being able to drill through the financial statements all the way to transactions. So if I've got a cost report that shows me I am over or under forecast or budget uh, in a certain cost category, um, I can quickly drill into and see the transactions that are kind of causing that. Um, and it, it gives me the, it gives me an idea as to where I need to, uh, you know, maintain those costs better or how I might start to address, you know, that the overrun, if that would be the case. So in your case, is that, um, um, I mean, how much sort of control do the, or how much, yeah, I mean, how much control do you want the, the budget owners to have over that? I mean, do you, is it your ideal world that they're doing that drill down? They're kind of really managing um, to a budget. Um, how, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we we are all responsible for our, for our areas. And I, I think, um, well, if you take the area of people, so people is sort of, is sort of shared with HR, um, but I have the responsibility of, uh, of my team and how many people on my team, how many resources and how I use those resources. And from a, from a non people spend side, it's, it is going to be things like, like, uh, like travel, but it's also going to be like, for example, in my area is, um, you know, audit fees. How we, how we, uh, how much money we're spending on audit? How much money are we spending on consulting services? How much money are we spending on uh, compliance services? And and how we can reduce those? So I, I, I the, the, you have to manage the the costs where the people who control that cost are and hold them accountable to those targets. Does that does that help answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I was, I was trying to figure out from, from Roger's perspective, again, you know, you've done so many, so much work with our clients, helping them to, you know, look at, look at cost and getting accurate and timely information, particularly at a time like this. What have you seen, Roger, in terms of, you know, best in class companies and how they, how they do that um, to, to deliver that, but you know, that highest quality information when it's needed? I think there's there's um yeah you, you go back to the old thing where we've got you know basically people processes and systems, um, processes can always be improved. Um, people actually are are probably uh, one of the biggest determining factors. Having good people who understand the business, and who can interpret the data correctly, and then uh, obviously the other thing is is systems. Having systems that that just work by themselves. And um, I guess the the idea of ownership, who owns the system internally, uh, is really important. Um, in that, you have um, the you know IT, if you like, should be facilitating an environment. But in terms of the data that comes out of it, and the ownership, and the the uh, if you like the sensibilities of the the data coming out of it, the finance, and well, the specific function related to that. Uh, application should own it um and so uh, i mean obviously uh, we we operate with 
uh, an Oracle Hyperion system at uh, Diversity, um, uh, and that's very clearly owned by the corporate finance systems. Um, but there are there are other areas where it, it's it can be a muddy issue. But companies that are successful have it that way. So IT facilitates the environments, and finance, if you like, owns the function and the, the, the data. The functional teams own the data, and that that is probably the most effective. So good people, automated, integrated systems, uh, and um, ownership. Uh, it also it helps if you've got. Uh, management and leaders who are actively engaged in uh, in what's going on with the systems, uh, which which can be uh, a weakness in a lot of large companies. Roger, just just coming back on that, it's an interesting topic. I I mean, one of the things that uh, that we've seen in in some of uh, our other clients is this um, kind of move towards presenting the, the this type of cost information to the business owners in a way in which it's not so much rear view mirror. It's also starting to sort of predict what the, you know, if you carry on on this spend trend on this spend path, you know, this is going to be the predicted impact on um, the P and L of your area. Um, Is that, is that something you've seen North American customers kind of do? Have you seen that, that kind of approach to cost management? Yes, I mean uh, to be honest, a, lo- a lot of uh, the larger companies are only really just starting to start uh, to really leverage the, um, the the capabilities in the tools out there. Um, you know, having uh, predictive planning where you can actually have models that run based on your actuals and populate and seed your forecast, um, yeah, based on various heuristics in in the data is uh, something that is now you know part of these uh, applications um and uh, actually sorry to say a lot of them are not making use of it yet but it is starting to get some traction and we're certainly starting to um, get more, a lot more interest um, especially in times like this where people need to get an idea of what's coming really fast and having a system do it for you rather than having to uh, finesse uh, uh, a large spreadsheet is eminently more suitable. Yeah, right, David. You you mentioned thank, thanks, Roger. David, you mentioned. Uh, I want to come back to your kind of workforce uh, topic there. I know that from um, talking to other clients and just even our own Cubics experience. Um, you know, one of the things that we ourselves and and other clients have been modelling is you know the various coronavirus intervention programs that governments around the world are introducing they're all different um everyone's got an opinion about them um but it must have been right now i mean it must have been a really kind of challenging time for you wouldn't wouldn't it be to to be sort of modeling the the various different impacts on on workforce i mean what what level do you model it are you at a a kind of um, a position level or or a um yeah just explain sort of how you what approach you've taken to be able to you know, manage that kind of workforce uh, forecasting in this time. Yeah, so we've done some contingency planning where we're looking, you know, at, 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 uh, at various cash flow scenarios and what we might need to do and what are the essential, what are the essential positions that we have uh, versus the non-essential. So if, if we, if we need to do our furloughs and what areas of the business would they come uh, and what, uh, what sections or, or what regions or countries would those come Um and then and it, it, get, it does get down to the position level. So we, we look at, um, you know, we're, we're not 
we look at specific individuals, but really in terms of what they do um, and the functions that they perform and which ones can we afford to um, to be without you know, for a certain period of time. Uh, we're looking at countries first where we have government support, where, where those employees will continue to get paid in some way from a, from a government agency um, would be our first step. Um, but uh, that, that's how we look at it. So it, it's really got it. it we, we need to understand by function what's critical to keeping the business up and running. Um, and I, I'd say, well, if we all have their critical positions, what are the essential positions uh, that we need at this time? And then, um, and that, of course, weighs heavily into, uh, to, into those decisions. I mean, that must have been a, an incredibly collaborative process. I can't imagine. I don't actually know the scale of the number of people you, you yeah, have around the world, but um, just it, even it's very collaborative. So you kind of we start with a with a sort of a um, a worst case, uh, and 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 then from there we determine. Mm. You know, there there's there's more conversations and more people that are involved in those collaborations, depending on how far we need to go. So, uh, so for example, in the area of finance, it would be. Um, me first sort of looking at the global team and assessment and looking at the functions that we have, what functions we need to keep running and what functions we could um, we could afford to furlough for a while. Um, from there, should we need to pull that trigger, we would have additional discussions with, uh, you know, the, 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 the folks who are more directly involved, uh, the, the, the leadership for those regions um, to kind of vet those, uh, you know, those decisions. Um, before we pull the trigger, so yeah, it's 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 very highly, highly collaborative, um, and, and we utilize you know in this day and time we're utilizing a lot of the video technology so that we can have those meetings. Um, but these are not easy decisions to make, uh, and but they're have they're they're ones that have to be done very quickly. Yeah, of course. Um, I think we've all got experience right now of of having those difficult conversations. Um, Roger, Roger, if you were um, architecting the kind of ideal workforce modeling application right now, let's say not for diversity, uh, but just in hindsight, let, let's let's put it, let's frame it that way. You know, what do, what do you think are the sort of critical components right now? If you if you need to be modeling your workforce in a time like now, or you know, in the future, if this sort of thing happens again, you, you want to engineer some some flexibility into how you do it. What do you think is important in, in the design of a workforce planning application? So um, it, it's a good question because it, it, this this circumstance, um, people calling it a black swan event, I'm so called black swans, but anyway, um, <laughs> the, the, the issues are, if you like, highlighted. And one of the things, interestingly, that comes with the, the planning products with Enterprise EPM, for instance, with Oracle, is... Uh, a workflow capability and an ability to track everybody's progress on a plan uh, and uh, lots of collaboration tools. There's an ability to put notes and, and to uh, send things to and fro. So it actually could take that video, uh, if you like, conference call that David's talking about, and it, it, it controls it with the system so that you can track it and see where everybody is. But um, it, honestly, it depends on the, the if you like, the, the need of, for granularity and cost control. So if you're forecasting for 50,000 staff, that's a vastly different exercise to maybe eight to 10,000 staff. Um, but there are lots of tools that allow us to do it. 
um, you know, whether it's right down at a granular employee level or it's role-based. Um, and um, I've seen really accurate forecasts being generated with uh, both methods. Um, but I think to, to David's annual point earlier, um, it is it's about being able to collaborate. It's also about being able to um, get collaboration from all audiences. So um, to David's point, we, we, we tend to think of things at diversity as um, country, region, and corporate. Um, but all of them have different audiences and different visibility of you know what's happening for, from an operational sense and what they actually need. So it's, it's vital that you are able to collaborate across all of those areas and cross-functionally. Because at the end of the day, once you've got the whole budget together and the, the CEO looks at it and says, hang on a minute, we've got to cut 10% off everybody, it's then knowing how to collaboratively go back and trim it down. So I don't know, that was a long-winded answer, but yeah. hopefully it gave you a good idea. No, it does. Um, and I think what it highlights is that... Um, the ability, and it sounds like an old-fashioned phrase, but the ability to, to slice and dice and to be able to run various different driver-based scenarios, I'd have thought, are crucial right now. You know, the, the what if. What, what if we furloughed the, these particular positions for this particular amount of time? You know, what yeah. are the real savings, um, et cetera? Immediately seeing, that, the, yeah, immediately yeah. seeing the impact of that on your P&L and on your expenses, yeah. And... and and through to cash flow, I'd have thought. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of companies that have been exploring redundancy at this point in time, but have sort of looked at the cash flow impact. And depending on which market you're in around the world, actually the the cash flow impact can be quite high <laughs> um, at a time when cash is really important. So I think that that uh, that ability to have a very driver based scenario based modeling, you know, uh, that that. That capability, I think, is probably crucial right now. Yeah, it's absolutely vital. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, just switching back to you for a second. Um, at, at Cubix, we we have this sort of philosophy we call extreme finance, which is our viewpoint on what a world class, you know, high performing finance organization looks like from a team perspective, a process perspective, and a technology perspective. And I would say that one of the things that has been um, one of the cores of that, one of the pillars of that is, is automation. Um, I'd be really interested, you know, perhaps not looking back necessarily, but you've got a lot of experience. You know, how much kind of um, what are your views on automation and, you know, automation, automation across the finance function? Is it something that you are actively exploring or have explored? What, what kind of role do you think automation can play in helping finance organizations? Yeah, I, for sure. Automation um, plays a role. Um, and, and I, I think it's, I think, it, and this is getting back to one of uh, uh, Roger's points earlier. Um, you know, we look at people, process, and tools. And, uh, and automation is part of our finance journey. It's part of our finance transformation journey. It's something that's on the horizon. Um, and, and I think it's essential to have a, a world-class uh, finance function. You know, but, but before you get there, you, you really have to make sure that your processes are um, are consistent, globalized, uh, and standardized. Um, and I think that's where we, you know, that's that's one of our focus. Our focus right now is we know before we get to before we get to that automation, we really need to work through the process. And and uh, and one of the things that uh, uh, you know we're we're working on as part of our 
our transformation journey right now is to look at those processes across the globe, particularly where we're using the same uh, the same ERP system, and and understanding you know wh why do we have those differences, um, where where are those differences, um, where are they absolutely necessary, and where are they not? Where can we do the standardization? And once you have the standardization. Uh, then it's much easier to automate you know, that that process because you, you don't want to automate something that uh, isn't efficient. Um, and so you, you really want to make sure that you have a, a good solid process before you get to the automation step. I think that's a really smart viewpoint, actually. Um, and perhaps one a lot of people can learn from because I, I know that it can be a rush to the latest trend, whether it's RPA or intelligent process automation. But as you say, if you haven't got a process you believe in that is right for your business in the first place, there's no point automating it. Um, so I think that's a that's a really smart take. Roger, I know you've worked with a lot of customers um, around the world on on projects. Just on that topic, is there is there been one a, a client that has really kind of nailed that and created uh, an automation capability in their finance function that's impressed you? Yeah, um, actually, uh, just one of my more recent projects is um, with uh, uh, American Eagle Outfitters. And um, actually, just as COVID was hitting, we were going live with a, a master recording cube. Um, and it, it specifically is automating the feed of data from multiple sources into um, uh, NS space cube. Um, and it's... Um, uh, it's basically doing overnight and pulling stuff into a cube with hierarchies and dimensionality that allows people to retrieve directly into a smart view spreadsheet. Whereas before uh, there were literally uh, in one instance, uh, 14 people uh, taking around a week to collate reports. Uh, and effectively that should go down to uh, around two to three people uh, spending you know, just, maybe a day because everything's going to be there and it'll be more about discussing and uh, you know, rerunning scenarios rather than uh, and having to manipulate and collate the data. So, um, And we're busy doing a similar thing at uh, Diversity, creating a uh, recording cube which allows you to view all of the ERP data at a granular level uh, in in an space cube and, and to David's point earlier, it's, it, it will allow him to drill down from a top p &L item all the way into the transactions that make up uh, a specific um, category spend, for instance. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a fantastic example of the potential for automation and a really good use case. Um, yeah. I I, uh, I I know that uh, time is running short for us all, so I want to make sure there's time for just the last couple of um, views from you, David, in particular. Um, you know, without giving it away, giving away any secrets. <laughs> um, as you look back, um, is there any sort of one system or application or capability you wish you had access to recently? Um, but, you know, reflecting back on, on what's happened to us and this event that nobody predicted. Um, is there anything you you know wish was in in place or or uh, th things you'd like to have been different in in the ability uh, to yeah, respond? Yeah, I think there's, there's probably a couple, right? And I think one of them is one we've already touched on, and and it's one it's it's, it's an application that we have been working on, and we're still working on uh, in in conjunction with uh, uh, the IT group and Rogers group, and that is really really I 
I like to have sort of a, a, a dashboard view of, of where we are from a, you know, both from the uh, you know, from a PL side, but really have that uh, the, the, the nimbleness to be able to drill all the way through that. Um, and, and to give and to put that information into the hands of the folks who can really help us uh, control those costs. And we're, and we're getting there. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. Um, but I think in terms of understanding, you know, where, where can we better best control those costs? Um, it would be that. And, 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 and then, and again, once we kind of you know, figure those out, how was that, what's the projection look like on the financial statements? And have a more automated way of doing that. Um, and again, I think these are things we're getting we're getting to. But I think something like this will will uh, you know in in the future, I think we'll look back in this and say, here are the tools we wish we had um, that we could have we could have managed better through this crisis. And that I think we'll see a lot of companies start to focus on how they can put those systems in place now to prepare for another event like this. Um, the the other thing is we talked about was cash. And I think, you know, for our business, um, you know, it, it's we, we focus on the P&L by sector, right? We know, um, uh, you know, where the sectors are, are, are generating money from a revenue standpoint. But where is the cash coming from, from a sector standpoint? And we don't we don't dissect the balance sheet, you know, uh, the working capital at that level. Um, and so I think you know, if I think about something I really like to have that uh, that 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 we don't have today would be beyond just looking at cash flow from you know from a regional perspective or country perspective it'd really be from the business perspective or from a sector perspective where are we seeing the cash generation that cash being generated um and it'll, it would point out to us areas of risk as well yeah i think that's um that's a good good roadmap i mean uh, i i'd imagine that would have had or will have in the future quite a big impact on your the speed at which you can kind of uh, interpret what's going on with the business to then take the actions that, that you're looking for. And I'm sure the great work I know you and Roger are doing, that will be in place no time. <laughs> um, sort of moving towards the end of the conversation, um, David, I'd, I'd be fascinated to know what you would say to other finance leaders listening to this podcast and who perhaps are you know, hesitant around technology or, or beginning to invest in it, um, uh, particularly around um, helping them build the business case for for finance transformation. Um, what what would you say to them? What would what would you say to someone sort of thinking about finance transformation and investment in technology? Where would you where would you suggest that they maybe you know prioritize? Uh, you know, what gives your views on that? Uh, yeah, so I think that uh, as uh, accountants in uh, finance, sometimes we kind of get into this mode of uh, of spreadsheet building and, and and number crunching, and we spend a lot of time doing that. And so where we don't have uh, automated systems or um, you know, uh, uh, applications that allow us to see to see that data, we spend a lot of time trying to put that together. And when you get into a time like this. Um, where you really need to be able to make decisions quickly and you need information quickly, um, you don't have the time to invest in that. So we have to, you know, part of the transformation is transforming ourselves into uh, to uh, business partners who who can uh, who understand the drivers of the business and where where we can make those impacts that are beneficial for the business um, and 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 steer away from the uh, you know the uh, uh, spreadsheet building and, and number crunching. So it really gets to insight. 
uh, and the insight comes from data. So the quicker you can get that data and, that in, and turn that into information um, to give you the insight you need to run the business, uh, that's where technology can help us. For sure. And, and Roger, is there anything you would add to what David shared? No, I think that that's right on the nail. I, I think the um, I, I think the, the the only other major factor is is actually having the right people and um, and investing in the right people. Um, uh, but you know, having good people and good systems, it, you're going to get good outcomes. I mean, obviously, the processes if you almost come with good people. Um, so, because mm. uh, a diligent person will always work through how to do things best anyway i mean i, I think of uh, one of david's team um she'd probably be embarrassed if i mentioned her but uh, she is an incredibly hard-working person who's got an incredible initiative yeah and um if you it almost doesn't matter what you put in front of her she'll find an optimum way of doing it so um you know i'm talking about dave david <laughs> don't you yep yeah <laughs> So, uh, no, yeah, I, I, that's the only thing I would add to yeah. what David said. I mean, that's a very good point. There's uh, um, one of our clients who I'm having a very active discussion with at the moment exactly along this line, which is you really do need to have that. That's why the extreme finance viewpoint from Cubix is, is it's got a, a point of view around the people. What kind of skills do you need? How do you develop those skills? How do you hire them? How do you nurture them um, for the modern finance uh modern finance function. So that's that's definitely uh, a, a good highlight, Roger. A couple last questions. So, David, um, you know, the, the expression that's banding around now, the new normal um, post-COVID, how, how do you see things changing or evolving for diversity and maybe even your finance function over the next 12 to 18 months? Have you got a point of view on that? Um, yeah, I think, I think you know, that, that, that answer might be different mm-hmm. today than it will be, you know, in a few months. Tomorrow. Yeah, right. So... <laughs> Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think, first of all, as it relates to like ways of working, I think, you know, th- this this has shown us that, uh, um, you know, working working remotely is not desirable in a lot of cases. And we, we I think we need that face to face contact, but it is possible. And I think with today's technology, we can get a lot done virtually. Um, and so I think it'll challenge ways of working in that regard. Um, I, I think also. Um, one of the nice things about using this technology is I like the videos because when you're in isolation like this, being able to see people because you're not around them in the office, um, it is really helpful. It's really helpful for that engagement. But in terms of like what happens to our business and how do we change ways of working going forward, I think this is really highlighted for us to, you know, the need to be nimble, right? And, and the need to be able to respond quickly to, to situations. And so, I think this will this will redefine our priorities and looking at um, you know, how the, the types of information we're getting, how quickly we can get that information, um, and how we're looking at that that, that information. Um, so I, I can see a lot coming out of this uh, that will be that will rely on technology to help us get, as we talked about earlier, get information quicker to be able to make decisions. How can we model those? How can we model scenarios like this and help us develop those contingency plans so that we're, we're, when we're in a situation like this, we're not having to figure those things out on the fly. We've got contingency plans built in for them. I think we'll see a lot of companies start to do that. Okay, we, we've done a lot of planning for, um, you know, uh, we used to do planning for well, what would happen if we 
uh, if, the, if something happens to the building, it catches on fire, what's our, what's our backup plan? Um, but for a situation such as this, I don't think we've ever contemplated before. We didn't, we didn't really think it was a possibility. And so I think we'll start to see more in terms of, uh, of planning around those types of events going forward. Well, it sounds like uh, both you and Roger have got um, uh, a lot of work in front of you. And uh, I know that uh, we've run up against the clock here. So I really wanted to say thank you, David, for, for joining us today for this conversation and for you, Roger. Um, thank you both very much for your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Very welcome. Thank you. Excellent. And uh, for those of you uh, listening to to this QPod, please uh, look out for future episodes or uh, take a look at the episodes you can find on on the Cubix website. But for the time being, thank you all very much and everybody stay safe. Thank you. As always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of QPod brought to you by the Cubix Group. We are a global specialist in ERP, EPM and analytics solutions. Please visit www.cubix.com to discover more great insights and content.